Siegel, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Just a couple of days left until we celebrate Christmas, which means that um, in my house, it's almost time, almost time to start listening to Christmas music. I don't know how we manage, uh, and maybe it's just sheer busyness, but we have avoided, uh, we listen to a lot of Advent music. We've got Advent at Ephesus from uh, from the Daughters of Mary out in Missouri. But we uh, we have a, kind of a playlist that my wife has put together where she's grabbed a whole bunch of different Advent songs or holiday songs that are not Christmas-specific, and, and we listen to that over the course of the season of Advent. Um, but we save the Christmas carols for the season of Christmas. So this year it's from December 25th all the way through January 12th, which is the baptism of the Lord. So that's the season that we just kind of hammer in as many Christmas carols as we can. We have a Christmas party where we invite people over during the actual Christmas season, so after Christmas Day. Uh, and we we gather around, have uh, something hot to drink and cookies and whatever else, and sing Christmas carols with all of our friends and just kind of do that for as long as people want to stay around. Um, but I, I love, I absolutely love Christmas carols because they are so densely packed with the theology of the Incarnation. And, and not just uh, this heady knowledge, although there is some really deep, profound uh, lyrics there. And, and what we sing, we come to believe, or, or as, uh, as the phrase goes, lex orandi, lex credendi. The law of uh, prayer is the law of belief, right? What we pray is what we end up believing. And as St. Augustine said, he who sings prays twice, right? So um, these these songs really inform us, and more than inform us, they form us with solid theology of the Incarnation. But beyond that, they show forth this truly experiential knowledge of the Incarnation as well, and, and put that forth in such a, a really beautiful and accessible way. Uh, one that immediately pops to mind, and it is my favorite, is O Holy Night, and specifically the line, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. And that stands out to me because this that is the result of the incarnation, and specifically of an encounter with God who became man, an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ, is that all of the sudden, our own place in the universe begins to make sense. Our own place in this, uh, in this society, in this world, suddenly snaps into focus. And we're going to talk about that in a very specific way, in a very personal way, with Sister Miriam James Hydland. She's going to be on the show here in a little bit, and I am just super excited about this. Because as you watch her and listen to the things that she has to say, uh, there is a, a pure authenticity that comes through. And you can tell that this is someone who truly 
loves God, doesn't just really adhere to a faith or isn't just a person who knows all the right things, although she is very intelligent, very knowledgeable about the faith. But this is someone for whom the faith is incarnational. It is personal that that she has a relationship with God. And, and there's really uh, no other explanation for the way that she is, because she's gone through incredible hardship. Uh, she's experienced the, the depths of lows in life, and yet here she has this unwavering joy. Or as the Christmas Carol puts it, you can see in her a thrill of hope as the weary world rejoices, as she experiences the new and glorious morn, right? Uh, there is, there's just no other way around it. And it's not a Pollyanna kind of joy, right, where everything's just fine and there's no problems in the world. It's one that recognizes the, the depth of the human experience, the depth of pain that we all carry, and yet has encountered uh, the one who sets all things in order, the one who makes all things new. And there's something about that that's very attractive to us. We have this deep desire to know what our soul is worth. And I, and I think that there's really a lack of that in our society. We, we talk about self-esteem. We try to make ourselves feel better. Uh, but it, it seems to be all external. Right? There's still this deep aching inside of us uh, that longs for that encounter. So as Christmas approaches and the family's all in town and they're all the, the busyness ramps up um, because everything's going to get busier, right, uh, until the presents are opened and then everything just kind of crashes. But uh, before then, uh, everything is just going to get more and more frantic and frenetic you're going to ask yourself, uh, if you're like me, is there more than this? And the answer, no matter where you are in your experience of God, the answer is always yes. There is more than this. There is a deeper and, and more intimate experience that Christ wants to give you of himself. Even if you have deep mystical encounters with God, yes, there is more that God wants to come and give you as he unites himself to you through the incarnation. And that longing that you have there can be filled by nothing else but God. Everything else will fall short. Everything else will leave you still longing. But Christ came in the incarnation to become God with us, Emmanuel, for the sake of fulfilling that longing. When we come back, we're going to talk with Sister Miriam James Heidland. She's part of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And we're going to be talking about true encounter with God. Join me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And I want to hear about your favorite Christmas carol. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. 
And today, as we are preparing for the final Sunday of Advent, it's not even a whole week, we, halfway through the week, we are uh, interrupted uh, by the Incarnation. And this is really what we hope our whole life will be, that each and every day we acknowledge and realize that the Incarnation wants to interrupt our lives. We're talking today with Sister Miriam James Heidland, who came to that uh, experience herself, yes. and it, it took her from... Uh, one trajectory in life and sent you in a completely different direction. That's very true. So yeah. sister, thank you for being with us today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you and your listeners. And I love that you just said that our lives were interrupted by the incarnation and amen. May they always be so. Yeah. It's such a great way to saying that. So one, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is, is you have been at our parish giving mm -hmm. an Advent mission You've talked a little bit about your upbringing. Mm -hmm. You grew up in a Catholic home. I did. And you had the experience of, of really what would look from the outside like faithful Catholicism. Mm -hmm. You're going to Mass. You're uh, going to CCD. You're, you're taking, your parents are doing everything they know to do to give you a hand on the faith. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't your experience of it. It took something else for you to come into a place where, you, where your life, as we said, was interrupted yes. by the Incarnation. So... Talk a little bit about what it was, maybe just a, a brief version of your in, your initial encounter with the person of Christ, and then we'll we'll branch off from there. Mm -hmm. My initial encounter with the person of Christ came through a very holy and wonderful priest who radically interrupted my life, and I, I know that's one of the reasons why I have such a deep love for the priesthood. Uh, that power of, of one man saying yes just has the power to change the trajectory of the lives of so many and my parents had met him um, at a Marian conference when I was in high school. And my parents were always, my, my dad converted to marry my mother. And so they, he was always faithful. Like my dad was the only man at the rosary group with the apple pie and things like that. So they're just wonderful people. And my mom grew up German Catholic. And so they went to mass every, every Sunday, every day. And so, um, but when they met Father Pinto, they had a deeper, uh, they had a deeper conversion and it kind of led both of them on a, just a journey of deeper discipleship. And so my uh, I famously tell this story that my mother forced me to meet Father. I did not want to meet him. I was, I mean, when I was in college, uh, well, what, later on, when they met him when I was in high school. When I finally met him personally, I was already in college, and I was playing Division One volleyball, and I just I had just so many things going on, and I also had an addiction. All kinds of things were happening, and I just did not want to meet this priest. It was, it was so dumb. And my mother forced me to meet him. And uh, I remember the day we, I met him, she actually, she's almost as tall as me, but she grabbed me by the shoulders and she shoved me <laughs> in front of father and father was like a six foot two just really kind of imposing uh, figure and she's like father this is our daughter this is the one we've been telling you about and I'll tell you the rest of the story later but father at that moment turned away and he looked up to the sky and then he turned back to me and he gave me this big hug and from that moment he was a friend of mine and he'd been a priest a long time and he um he mentored me he discipled me and it was through his witness of being so in love with Christ, I had never met anybody in my entire life who was so captivated by Christ, and it was absolutely captivating to witness. You know, that's an interesting point, that we have to have that encounter yes. with a person who has had the encounter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I, th I think of I think it's G.K. Chesterton who said, let your religion be more of a love affair. Oh, amen. Right? Yes. Uh, and... You know, I look at this and I think of our own conversion story. And my wife was kind of going along with the idea. I was coming to some intellectual ideas of conversion uh, and drawn to the Catholic Church for a number of reasons. Uh, she went to, um, to a training 
for natural family planning to be an instructor. We'd oh. practiced it as Protestants poorly, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and so in order for, um, for me to get an advanced degree, we were trying to find some way for me to, ha- to have some extra income so that I could go back to, master, to get the master's degree. And so that was kind of the easiest way for her to still be able to stay at home mom, do what she wanted to do, but also to have some extra income on the side. Uh, and as part of that, she went to that training and she came back saying, okay, I'm ready to convert now. And like, really? it was before that it was a, well, I'll go if you go. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't quite there yet. I wasn't quite ready. And she just came back and said, I'm ready now because it was there that for the first time she met cradle Catholics who were on fire, who had uh, that personal relationship and really mm-hmm. evidence of that personal mm-hmm. relationship, just kind of oozing out of their pores. <laughs> I love that. And so the, this is something that as you walk into the room mm-hmm. uh, and here at the parish mission, it, it's very obvious, mm-hmm. not only from your, your disposition, but also from the emphasis of your words and the direction of the things that you're wanting to impart, that that relationship now is, is central to you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's something that's really hard for a lot of people to get, that they, they have a desire for a relationship with God. They hear the terms personal relationship with God, um, and they are that faithful they're going to mass they're doing bible study they're reading the catechism they're trying their best uh to have a a a faith Mm -hmm. what would you say to that person what how do you move from that intellectual place into a place where you actually have an encounter with the personal god Mm -hmm. i think that happens in a variety of ways i think it can come into our life in a sense in, in, in an interruption so to speak we have we've all had moments perhaps where we've been beautifully interrupted by the Lord whether in life or in prayer or in the receiving of the sacraments or something where we have a distinct moment of Christ touching us um, it happens through like you said the encounter with other people but for me I think it happened through being discipled by Father and also meeting other people who were on fire with Christ. But it was through me, it happened through um, the intense going of my life through Christ, especially in the areas of suffering. And one of the reasons why I did not have an encounter for so long is my heart was very hard, and I had a lot of trauma in my life. I had a lot of areas in my life. And if you would have asked me at the time if I was, if, you know, how I was doing, I would tell you fine. The standard answer that we give people when they ask us how we're doing, which is entirely appropriate in certain social settings, but it's this, how you doing? Good, busy, like <laughs> so good, but so busy, you know, right. which is fine at the cocktail party because if you were to say, well, when I was five, you'd be like, oh, TMI, but no, th- <laughs> that's not a problem. But, but if, if good, busy is the answer that I'm giving to my spouse, mm-hmm. if it's the answer I'm giving to the Lord in prayer, if it's the answer to them giving to the people who know me the closest, wow, there's something happening there. And so it wasn't really uh, until Christ, I allowed Jesus Christ to come and encounter me in my suffering that my life began to flower and began to open. And now, by the grace of God, I can honestly tell you, I was just praying about this this morning, is that, Lord Jesus, come and encounter me in every part of my life. I don't want any part of my life that doesn't have Christ, his fingerprints on it, his scent in it, his, you know, his love in it. And so it's a matter of continually opening our heart and availing our hearts to him. And many times it's as simple as sitting with the Lord right where you are saying, Lord, what's happening right now in my life? What are the things that are on the surface of my heart? What's happening in my story? And it's inviting him into those places where he begins to speak to us and we, we begin to see he's not a theoretical God or a God that comes at a distance, but a God who's within us, who dwells within us, and who is so attentive to every part of us. You know, I, I think as we're here in Advent and we're, it's a season of penance, Yes. I, I think that a lot of times we 
we th- anticipate that suffering is um, maybe something that we impose on ourselves. Oh, I'm, I'm going to forgo that piece of cake, and that's mm-hmm. my suffering, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and we think of maybe as we hear the word suffering, we think of it maybe in an external form. Mm-hmm. Well, suffering is going to come on me from somewhere else, mm-hmm. from a tragedy or or, mm-hmm. or the like. Um, but I think some of that encounter comes from really taking Christ at his word, that whoever would take up his cross, mm-hmm. deny himself and follow me, right? That's mm-hmm. the person who becomes the disciple. That's the person who enters into relationship. And, and sometimes entering into this place of vulnerability mm-hmm. and allowing Christ to come and shine his light on our dark places, that as, as it's really um, proposed to us and we start to think about even the idea of doing it, we start to encounter that death. Oh yes. That that cross of just letting Jesus in. Mm-hmm. We think, well, if I do that, if I let him into this place, everything's going to be ruined. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and it's in that releasing and submission to the suffering that Christ comes into those and heals those broken spaces. Mm-hmm. That is very true, and it's it's the allowing somebody else to to see us and to know us. And you know how God sees and God knows and God loves. And we're made in his image and likeness. And so we're called to be seen and to be known and to be loved. And also to see and to know and to love. And you see that very clearly. Um, say, for example, I imagine, Timothy, in your marriage with your wife. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure you guys have had moments in your hearts where each of you have had to make a choice whether you're going to be vulnerable someplace. And you're not really sure what the outcome is going to be. And perhaps there's times when that's painful. But in the areas where you're willing to be vulnerable and to allow your wife to see you, and to love you, is that not where true intimacy takes place? And I was just doing a silent retreat a couple of weeks ago, and I was overwhelmed by how deeply Jesus um, takes on our suffering. How, there's nothing in our life that has ever happened that he hasn't taken on and become intimately one with. And so that's, you talk about intimacy, and all of us, you know, all of us can relate to other people and their gifts. We admire people and their gifts. But, you know, um, intimacy isn't born out of like that kind of admiration. Intimacy is born out of vulnerability where we are willing to, in the appropriate levels of which you have relationships, but allowing ourselves to be seen. But like you said, allowing Christ to come in to see us in those areas. And we can say, does God see us? Yes, he sees us. But he wants to be invited in like anybody that you love. Do we not, do we not want to come alongside the people that we love and just be there with them? It's just, it's a, it's an interesting thing we as humans, what we do, we love that, but we fear it at the same time. And it's like this intense battle all the time of like, you know, how, it's not like, will I be vulnerable, but how vulnerable will I be? Cause I am vulnerable whether I like it or not, but it's like, how much of myself will I allow to be seen? Well, and, and it's, you bring up an interesting point with our infatuation with social media. Oh gosh. Yes. Right. So we're taking, uh, and really kind of crafting the image that we want to put forward. What, Mm -hmm. what am I going to let people see? Well, it's going to be something that uses a ring light and special lighting (laughs) and, and uh, just the right angle. And this is what I'm going to put forward. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's not what Jesus wants from us Mm -mm. because uh, as you mentioned earlier with that, uh, you did a video with the potter and the clay. Mm -hmm. And one of the phrases that you said, or or rather that was in the video is that the clay can't fix itself. Right? It requires the potter. And so we, mm-hmm. we want to present ourselves just so and fix these, these broken areas, but really we can't fix it. Whatever we do doesn't become useful. Mm-mm. It just kind of masks over it. But mm-hmm. the potter can come in and then make that, again, useful. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, and that's exactly what he does. And uh, we were, I was talking about this morning to the parishioners this morning that, you know, that the Lord doesn't want to come and fix us. 
he's not in the business of fixing people. He's in the business of bringing communion and relationship. And so he comes to sit with us in these places. He comes to bring us to himself. And so if you read the Gospels, there is no place where the Lord just fixes somebody and sends them on their way. He heals them. And the physical healing, whatever it is, is always bringing them into communion and relationship with themselves, with, with the brethren, with the Jewish people, whatever, however they're isolated. So in our journey... Many times we want that. We're going to be fixed. And Lord, Lord, just fix me here and I'll be on my way because we want to live life however we want to live it. But he doesn't want to fix us. He wants to be one with us because he's a person who wants to be loved and who wants to love. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrifyingly wonderful reality. <laughs> yeah. Because he is the great restorer. Amen. Not necessarily the repairer, mm-hmm. but the restorer. So mm-hmm. he's restoring us not only in, a, um, in the places where we're broken, restoring to us what, what the locusts have eaten. But he's also restoring us to relationship and yes. for relationship, not as you mentioned, not only with himself, mm-hmm. but also with the broader community. Mm-hmm. I love this idea. I, you know, I thought of, um, as you said, he doesn't just fix us and send us away. I thought of the, the 10 lepers. And, oh, yeah. and even as he healed them, he restored their relationship to the community. And the one who came back restored that relationship with God as well. Amen. We're talking today with Sister Miriam James Hydland. You can follow her on Twitter, and I encourage you to do so over at One Groovy Nun. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Tell me about when you first encountered the person of Jesus Christ. And we'll be right back with much more right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implication of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. We're talking today with Sister Miriam James Heidland. If you can't get enough of it, she has a podcast as well. You can find it over at abidingtogetherpodcast.com, abidingtogetherpodcast.com. And you're not alone in that podcast. No. It's a kind of a camaraderie, <laughs> a, a, a trinity of camaraderie. As it, it were. Yeah, it literally is. It's two of my very best friends and we're all about the same age. And um, Michelle and her husband, Chris, have six kids and they live in Florida. And then Heather and her husband, Jake, have three kids and they live in Canada. And the podcast was born out of um, our friendship, Heather and Michelle and I, our friendship. And uh, somebody just challenged us one day. They said, why don't you guys, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, doing things for the church and things like that. Why don't you guys just start a podcast like and just see what happens? And then this person removed every excuse we had for not starting one. <laughs> so we're like, okay. And we're in our sixth season now. And um, it has borne tremendously beautiful fruit. And just, you know, what people say is they feel like, they say, we feel like we're just having coffee with you. We feel like you're, we're your friends. And and we say you are. So it's, yeah, it's a very beautiful thing that the Lord is doing. So we're, we're delighted to be part of it. You know, I, I look at this and we talked just before the break about the, the frustrations with social media. Mm-hmm. And and in some way, the frustrations with the addictive nature of, of technology. Yes. But here's the flip side of that, where I'm just look at this and say, uh, 10 years ago, who would have thought that you could have a conversation, a real-time conversation that is recorded uh, and published online from Florida, Canada, and South Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> it really is. And the reach of technology, we've had, I think, over three and a half million downloads now. And you just think of 
just the people that that touches and it's just us having like a conversation. So yeah, 10, 20 years ago, who would have thought that? But now the, with the advent of technology, that's made things more beautiful. And it's also in a sense made things more dangerous as well, but I guess it depends on how you use it. But yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. Mm-hmm. So. so we're you um, in 1998 mm-hmm. as a part of this conversion mm-hmm. somewhere you went from, Hey, I think I'm going to have uh, a more serious investment in my faith. I'm going to, I'm going to allow myself to be vulnerable with God. I'm going to enter into an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. And you went from there mm-hmm. to the incarnation really interrupting your life. Yeah. And you found and entered the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about what that vocation yeah. journey looked like. It was a surprise to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Myself included. And so, yes, I graduated in 1998 from college and I um, had no debt. So I was, you know, going to start working. I I majored in communications and I wanted to one day work for ESPN. That was kind of my goal. So I was doing internships along the way to maybe one day be able to pursue something like that. So if you know anything about uh, communications or journalism, you have to start at the bottom. So I was going to go home and work, um, hopefully get a job someplace in Portland, Oregon, and just start working my way up the ladder but before that happened, this priest that I was referring to earlier invited me down to one of our missions in New Mexico. And i just broken up with another guy. My life was a mess. And, and Father said, you know, before you start getting a job, like just come down to New Mexico and just spend some time down here. And I was very unprepared for what would happen. And um, there it was quiet and there was no TV and there was nothing. And I was so used to... I was so used to always having something on in the background because I could never stand silence because when it was silent, all these things would come to the surface of my heart and I, I couldn't deal with it. And so it was silent there and there was a lot of prayer and there were other people there discerning religious life. And I'd never seen young people my age who were serious about being holy. It was just like a whole new world for me. And I was there for a few months and I remember the day that I had a distinct moment that changed my life forever. And I was sitting in father's office and we were talking about just something. And he said, you know, He said it very nonchalantly because he was very smart, (laughs) but he said, you know, maybe what you're looking for, like what you're looking for in life and looking for in all these men or what you're looking for in life, he said, maybe you'll find what you're looking for in Jesus Christ, which is kind of an innocuous statement, but that just epically pierced my soul. And I knew right then and there in father's office at 22 years old, I'm like, oh, oh, like Jesus is calling me to himself. That's and I just, in a sense, my life just like made sense of like, it was like the last puzzle piece of, oh, this is what I've been, you know, because I had a, like a lot of toxic relationships, a lot of brokenness, but I was looking in my heart. I was looking for love. I know what I was looking for now. I was looking to love and to be loved and to have a, a wonderful adventure and just a life of beauty. I just did not know how to pursue it. And so it was that moment uh, many years ago that changed my life. And I still remember it to this very day. You know, I know that we're almost finished with Advent. Yeah, we've got a, a couple of more days, mm-hmm. and then and then it's Christmas. But I, I, I want to issue a challenge to uh, to all of you listening to turn the radio off, just in the car, mm-hmm. baby steps, right? Mm-hmm. Just w- find one place where you are used to having noise. Maybe you uh, maybe at night you do a binge watch. You have your favorite show on on your favorite streaming platform. Whatever it is. Find that one thing that you can create a moment of silence because there is such power in that silence. One, we encounter ourselves there, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we don't even really know ourselves. We don't know what our heart really wants because we're so busy occupying our time. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So, but not only do we encounter ourselves there, which can be kind of frightening, mm-hmm. but we encounter the grace of God there as he meets us in that silence to face, you know, to face with us ourselves, mm-hmm. right? That we're, we're, our demons aren't quite as frightening when we know that we're meeting Christ no. and those demons together, mm-hmm. right? And we can actually have some productive moments in the silence, but that yeah. doesn't happen without intentionality. No, you're right. And that's exactly where we hear the voice of God as well. And you see throughout the scriptures, you see that the Lord speaks in the silence. He speaks to Elijah in the in the quiet stillness. And we can't hear him. It's like having a conversation. We've all had a dinner at a restaurant. The music is way too loud. And you're like shouting over it. And it's just like you can't have a constructive conversation. It's just, right. and so like you're saying, very well said, is that, you know, when we have all this background noise in our life, it's really hard to hear the voice of God. And so sometimes we say, oh, God's not speaking to me, you know, things like that. But like many times it's because our lives are devoid of silence, so we can't hear him. And so it's when we can take those, whatever, you know, state of life we're in and to the moment that we can, but asking the Lord to speak into those places that we begin to hear his promptings and see how the Holy Spirit leads us and that we encounter him there. To put this in a Christmas metaphor, since we're almost there, yes, uh, I think of the shepherds, mm. right? Jesus was, was born in in Bethlehem and the angels, as I would imagine, are not quiet things. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Right. How could you imagine? And, and, and so you have the whole host of heaven singing the praise of God, but only the shepherds heard it. Mm. If we're so busy with all of the preparations for the census or whatever it is in our context, That's a great analogy. Yeah. then, uh, then we are going to miss out on the voice of the angels calling to announce to us the good news. Mm-hmm. Right? We're so worried about what the, the politics are doing. In this mm-hmm. case, the seizures called a census. I've got to participate. But there was something greater that the shepherds were able to participate in because mm-hmm. of their silence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is what is most tr- eternal is most true. And so the Lord never ceases to speak to us. And many times we do get distracted by what is louder. And so really the the, the voice of like audibly, what am I listening to? But in my heart, audibly, what am I listening to? What voice am I listening to? Because there's voices competing for our attention at every mm-hmm. moment. So what voice am I listening to and where is that voice leading me? And is it the Lord leading me to himself or is it my own or is it the evil one trying to, to take me away or to sow discord or dissension? But yeah, so especially we all need silence. Like we, we cannot exist in a prayer life without some form of silence every day. Sister Miriam, this uh, this morning you were talking at our, at our parish mission mm-hmm. and you were talking about imagine for a moment that every single person, every single event that happened in your life, the good and the bad was a gift from God. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I remember the first time that I came to that thought and I did not like that thought at all. I know. And it's, yeah, I agree. But, but here, as we look at this, as we're talking about the competing, competing voices, um, what if everything that happened at the grocery store, every person who cut you off in traffic, Mm -hmm. every single annoying thing that happened in your life was God's gift. Mm -hmm. And if we approach those events like that and say, Ooh, man, that's frustrating. God, but what are you wanting me to see in this? Yeah. Or that person that is annoying us to say, okay, God, what, what is your intention for this moment Mm -hmm. to be able to then see that person as a person, Mm -hmm. as, as an agent of God or, or brought there for us to be an agent of God. Now, it's a person and not an annoyance. Now, mm-hmm. now it is not a uh, an object; it's a subject. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. That's true. And I think I I personally believe when we see the Lord face to face, when all of us, you know, end our time here in chronological time and enter into God's time, we will see God face to face. And I think we will be shocked at just how closely interwoven our lives have been with other people. And I think, you know, we're going to look at other people like, I had no idea. Like, I couldn't have done it without you. Like the fellowship of the ring. Like, I couldn't, you know, because Christianity is a fellowship and life yeah. is a fellowship. And and that's true. And it it does. Is it interrupts our, you know, so many authors have said, you know, life is what happens when we're constantly being interrupted, right? When we think, oh, no, this is what I'm going to do. And then something happens and it changes us in a different trajectory. And and so that's very true that there's nothing that's in our lives um, that is outside God's wisdom that he hasn't allowed to happen for whatever purpose that is. Mm-hmm. They does not intend to bring, as St. Augustine said, a greater good out of it. Now, as I look at this and I, I think of the many times that I've experienced anger and frustration and, and whatever else, um, to have those same experiences and to look for God in them. Mm-hmm. And when I see God in those events, on the days that I take the time to do that, there's a whole different disposition. Now I am not going around frustrating. Now I'm actually walking in communion with God. I'm participating. Mm-hmm. We started off this whole thing talking about um, the incarnation interrupting us, mm-hmm. right? And as I read scripture, we are now the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is still the head, but we now are perpetuating the incarnation. Mm-hmm. I think of uh, Mother Teresa, and when people encountered her, they had a really profound encounter with yes, Christ. If we, you and I, if we can really be in union with God to that degree where we're listening for him and, and looking for his little messages throughout the day and mm-hmm. seeing those moments of frustration as divine appointments and opportunities, mm-hmm. now I get to be, I have the opportunity to be the incarnation interrupting someone else's life, to be able to, to be a, a messenger and an ambassador for Christ to a hurt and broken world and Mm -hmm. to bring restoration in those dark places, just as he's wanting to to do that internally in me. Mm, That's, that is so true. And that's exactly what Christ does for each one of us. And you see, when you read the gospels uh, of how present Christ is to people and I've never in my life, I've never had went throughout a day saying, gosh, I wish I would have hurried more. I'm so glad I got really frustrated with that person. <laughs> you know, like, but how many times have we been, say, even in the grocery store, it's it's so simple where we have a choice to be really rude to the clerk or just kind of look at the clerk and say, hey, how's it going? You know, and those tiny moments just really do have a profound effect. And I think, you know, when we have the people that we live with or the things that we chronically get irritated with of asking the Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, what's happening in me? Like, what, what's yeah. going on? What is this stirring in me? Because when he has been pushed on other people, it's it's their problem. But what's it stirring in me? So it is, it's the day-to-day life. It's not just the once a week thing. It is the day-to-day, the constant encounter with Christ where he's continually speaking to us, continually, every day, every mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. We're talking today with Sister Miriam James Heidland. Find her podcast over at Abiding Together Podcast. Find her book, Loved As I Am, available on Ave Maria Press. And then you can also find her on Twitter with, it's just the best best Twitter <laughs> handle, at One Groovy Nun, at One Groovy Nun. Follow her, You're, you will not regret it. And then take the time this week as we approach Christmas, find one thing to introduce silence into your life. Join us over on social media and tell me all about it. Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Today, we had a conversation with Sister Miriam James Heidland of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, or S-O-L-T, SOLT, about this relationship that God longs for with us and calls us to. And this is the true meaning of Christmas, uh, that, that God came into the world for a very specific reason, and that was for a specific and intimate relationship with you and me. If you missed any part of that show, or you want to share it with your friends on social media, which I could totally understand, uh, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. And even better news, there is more to my conversation with Sister Miriam, and it's available to all those who support the show through Patreon. Just go to OutsideTheWalls.com, and up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see something that says Support the Show hyphen Patreon. Click that link and look through the various levels that you can support the show. For as little as $5 a month, that's the price of a good cup of coffee, uh, you get weekly extra segments with our guests. So this Christmas, give yourself the gift of extra segments each and every week. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com and join our support community. Let's go ahead and turn our attention now to our reading from Scripture and from church history. Our scripture reading today comes from today. It's what the church has given us today as our first reading uh, to help us understand what Christmas is about. This comes from the book of the Song of Songs. Hark, my lover, here he comes, springing across the mountains, leaping across the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Here he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows peering through the lattices. My lover speaks. He says to me, Arise, my beloved, my dove, my beautiful one, and come. For see, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the time of pruning the vines has come, and the song of the dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines in bloom give forth fragrance. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret recesses of the cliff, let me see you, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and you are lovely. That reading comes from the book of Song of Songs, and it's given to us by the church at this time of year, to remind us that the Incarnation is not an antiseptic thing. It's not just this squeaky clean, perfectly managed uh, theory that somehow works its way into our theology. Rather, it is a very visceral expression of God's love for us. And if that's something that you have trouble wrapping your your mind around, I want to get back to that G.K. Chesterton quote that we referenced earlier. Uh, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. This is a God who is passionate about you. And as he appears, our soul feels its worth. All of a sudden, we begin to understand our place in the world because we see it in light of his love for us. 
Our reading from church history today comes from a homily by St. Augustine and continues to help us try to wrap our minds around this very relational uh, understanding of the Incarnation. Awake, mankind. For your sake, God became man. Awake, you who sleep. Rise from the dead, and Christ will enlighten you. I tell you again, for your sake, God became man. You would have suffered eternal death had not he been born in time. Never would you have been freed from sinful flesh had he not taken on himself the likeness of sinful flesh. You would have suffered everlasting unhappiness had it not been for this mercy. You would never have returned to life had he not shared your death. You would have been lost if he had not hastened to your aid. You would have perished had he not come. Let us then joyfully celebrate the coming of our salvation and redemption. Let us celebrate the festive day on which he who is the great and eternal day came from the great and endless day of eternity into our own short day of time. He has become our justice, our sanctification, our redemption, so that, as it is written, let him who glories glory in the Lord. Truth, then, has arisen from the earth. Christ, who said, I am the truth, was born of a virgin. And justice looked down from heaven, because believing in this newborn child, Man is justified, not by himself, but by God. Truth has arisen from the earth, because the Word was made flesh, and justice looked down from heaven, because every good and perfect gift is from above. Truth has arisen from the earth, flesh from Mary, and justice looked down from heaven. For man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. Justified by faith, let us be at peace with God. For justice and peace have embraced one another through our Lord Jesus Christ. For truth has arisen from the earth, through whom we have access to that grace in which we stand, and our boast is in our hope of God's glory. He does not say of our glory, but of God's glory. For justice has not proceeded from us, but has looked down from heaven. Therefore, he who glories, let him glory not in himself, but in the Lord. For this reason, when our Lord was born of a virgin, the message of the angelic voices was glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. For how could there be peace on earth unless truth has arisen from the earth? That is, unless Christ were born in our flesh, and he is our peace, who made the two into one, that we might be men of goodwill, sweetly linked by the bond of unity. Let us then rejoice in this grace, 
so that our glorying may bear witness to our good conscience by which we glory, not in ourselves, but in the Lord. That is why Scripture says, He is my glory, the one who lifts up my head. For what greater grace could God have made to dawn on us than to make his only Son become the Son of Man, so that a Son of Man might in his turn become the Son of God? Ask if this were merited. Ask for its reason, for its justification, and see whether you will find any other answer but sheer grace. That reading comes from a homily by St. Augustine. And I love how he ends it there. All of this, all of this experience that you have of God's presence, everything that is good within you, all of this comes to you only by grace. It's not because he made a list and checked it twice and found out you were on the nice list. No, all of this comes sheerly by grace that God has given us relationship and restored us to that relationship with him out of his deep, great love for us, right? Uh, that Going back to that, that Christmas carol that we talked about right at the beginning, that uh, he appeared and the soul felt its worth. But the soul felt its worth not because of anything within itself, but because Christ came to us, because of the incarnation itself, because we found the place where we belong. We belong. We were made for that relationship with him. And so all of this that we have received and all of this that we celebrate in our Christmas carols that we sing, um, this is all sheer grace, a true gift, uh, not, not a transactional gift in any way, not a, well, I want something from you, and so I'm going to give this. No. He gives us that gift out of such deep love. And it's very easy to get caught in the sentimentality of Christmas, to look at the, at the manger scene and to look at the, the shepherds and the wise men and the, uh, the holy family and say, oh, isn't that so sweet? God became man. Look, there's the little baby Jesus, and and yes, he did. He came here, but it was for our sake. He left all of the glories of heaven. He left his throne. He left everything that there was and submitted himself to human existence for the sake of restoring humanity to himself, and that includes you. And so this it, the manger is so subversive. It's not sentimental. It's saying, this is the links that I would go to, to be with you in relationship. That's all the time we have. Since I'm not going to see you until after the fact, have a Merry Christmas with your family. This week's show is brought to you by all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link in the top corner and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.